Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hi, and welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am your co-host, Pastor Brad Mathias, along with my ornery sidekick. <clears throat> Hi, Brad. How are you? Ornery is spelled R-O-B-E-R-T. <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, I just The reason he's saying that is that I asked him to stop his introduction about two or three times prior to that because he sounded... You sounded weird, and so... Says the man with a sinus infection. That's okay. You know, our audience will excuse it. But uh, I was just... That's why I'm on so, it. It's not. I'm just. It's. I'll tell you why he's being so rude. You. If you're watching on YouTube, you can't see this on the SoundCloud, but I've brought my own icon to the table. It is going to be a mystery. People are going to have to watch the show to see what I just put on the table, but it is a antagonist to Robert. It's intentionally designed to irritate and annoy him. Here's the thing I know about Mac users is no anti-Mac thing, no other icon is actually a threat. People that try to take down Apple or Mac, they think that, oh, well, this will get them mad and whatever, but it's just irrelevant. So you know, I don't even know what you're You can leave about. it there on the table. I don't know what you're talking about. <clears throat> okay. All right. So uh, it is season five. We're marching through our podcast yes, season. And uh, we have been uh, working through some gnarly weather. It's kind of... Yeah. It's winter. In Tennessee, we're recording this in the middle of November, and there's supposed to be snow, which just doesn't happen. It does not happen. No. So, um, so a lot of shock, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of fear. Uh, Kroger <laughs> will be empty by five. Uh, this is you know, true. Tennessee does not... Because there's a threat of a tenth of an inch of something. Exactly. You know, white, uh, which... You know, I used to make fun of that. I come from, you know, near Chicago. I grew up in the Midwest and where it really snows and it's really cold, which it's not here. But the thing about Tennessee that I've discovered in 20 years is everything's a hill and no one has a plow. This is true. So it is a it is literally a sledding festival yes, on the highway. Yeah, it gets pretty exciting like out there. You can fly through roads in Colorado, through the Rockies, and you know, it's snowing. They have and sand and gravel and not snow a plows. You're going yeah. 70 miles an hour and not a problem here. You go like 23 miles an hour and you're in danger of losing your life. Yeah. And there's a funny thing that happens in Tennessee. When they see snow, people do the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. They smash on their brake. Yeah, exactly. And now you have a missile. <laughs> you know, it's not a car anymore or an SUV. No. Now it is an out of control Project rocket out. coming mm-hmm. at you. So the danger in Tennessee isn't the roads. It's the people driving Absolutely. on the roads. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, for some of our listeners who live in sunny climes and never have to deal with this, uh, please don't tell us. Uh, for the rest of us who, who live in this, podcasting, living in the world of uh, weather and variables is a lot like parenting. There's a lot of changes that come. Did you like that segue? Did you segue? just try to do a segue? I there? did. Yeah. Did you like it? Uh, it's okay. All right. Well, the more. weather and parenting, uh, to me, have similarities. You get unexpected development. This is true. And uh, it's not always sunny. Mm. How's that? There's the forecast is very unreliable. Very unreliable. Yeah. Yes. And you never know exactly when you're going to hit a slick spot. This is true. I've done some banana peel falls in my time. And uh, that's true in my parenting as well as my 
physical activities. Likewise, but typically when that happens, you don't do that again. You learn and you keep going. Yeah, you notice there's a slick spot there. Exactly. The teenage years were just one ice storm after another. Um, But, you know, I think as we sort of walk through uh, parenting, we have opportunities to talk with a lot of different guests. We have people who've experienced life just as the traditional family experience. We've had people who've experienced life within the church. Some people have been outside of the church. And then there's people who just are, are sort of late to the story of life. And uh, like me, I didn't become a believer until my mid-30s. So I think there's all kinds of different contexts. And so one of the things we take real effort on this show is to include as many different perspectives and viewpoints as possible to the parenting equation. As long as it's all authentic. Yes. yes. No makeups, no, uh, no faking. So we want authentic stories of hope and encouragement. And today we have a guest that we know because we've worked with her within the iShine Beamer world. Her name is Melanie Medina, and she's here from Sherman, Texas. That's correct. That's correct. Lake Texoma. Technically Denison, but yeah, Sherman. There you go. Sorry. We're glad that you're here. So Lake Texoma. Tell us about Lake Texoma because I went there once on a youth retreat with uh, the church system there, Dwayne Sheriff Ministries. Yes, yes. It's um, it's a beautiful lake. It's a man-made lake. It's actually a lake that has been formed by damming up the Red River, which forms the border between Oklahoma and Texas. So if you've never been to a place that has a man-made lake, then you're really missing it. In fact, at one point in time, Lake Texoma itself was actually the largest man-made lake on the oh, planet. Oh, really? It was. Really? Uh-huh. Huh. Yep, it sure was. Uh, and now it's just like the um, destination. We have something like six million visitors a year. It's a pretty ridiculous number. Of, six million? Yes, to the lake. To the lake. I had no idea. Yeah, it's huge. Lots of camping uh, on both sides of the lake. The Texas side has um, a lot of state park land on it. Uh, but the Oklahoma side has some beautiful beaches, absolutely gorgeous beaches as far huh. as that goes. The water, you can't see to the bottom. Don't think you're going to come there okay. and snorkel. But. Okay. I have a funny story. This will tie into this. You remember when we went on an shine tour yep. and we stayed at Lake Texoma in yep. one of those youth cabin things at for Camp a couple Victory, of nights. Right? Yeah. Camp Victory. Yeah. And I had this really paranoid mom who was with her daughter. I remember well. And she was convinced there were, there were cougars in the area and i told her there's no way they don't have cougars in this part you know like it's it's not gonna happen well guess what it was a cougar (laughs) like a real live cougar it killed like a cow or a horse the day before and so i remember like texoma really well because i was so humbled like i had to go to her and say i am so sorry i really wasn't lying to you i i didn't believe there were cougars here which is another great segue into what we're talking about today and that is that you just don't know what you're going to get and sometimes all the preparation in the world and everything you think is apparent you can outline doesn't necessarily apply. Yeah, like like thinking <clears throat> this will never happen to me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So, Melanie, you have been um we've been talking before the show and you shared with us that you've you've already written uh, an ebook called The Fitted Sheet Dilemma and you're working on a series of books called Behold Her Life, The Solo Mom. So, we wanted to give you just a little time to kind of tell our, tell your story. Tell us how you got here. And what led you to get into ministry to single moms? All right. Um, I did become a solo mom when um, my kids were really young. Grace was actually two weeks old when I found myself uh, in a separation. And so Mm. they were really little. In fact, they were so little that it's 
actually a blessing in some ways that um, they don't remember mm. that period of time. They don't have you know recall of you know trauma of the, the transition or anything like that. But when I um, when I became a solo mom, I um, I just was really seeking you know, how do I do this? What do I do? And um, even um, hid the fact that I was separated from family for a long time because I was so embarrassed and so ashamed. And mm. I actually had a little bit of hope that I would that it could be restored. But then when it wasn't, um, there was that stark realization of, okay, um, I'm going to have to do this. And I see a lot of, of people I know doing this, but you know they're getting babysitters and they're heading to the bars or they're getting babysitters and they're immediately dating. And I just didn't feel like that was the right thing to do. In fact, um, I felt the Lord spoke to my heart and told me that my home was not going to look like the other solo parent homes. Mm. And um, and I'm very thankful that I had people uh, in my life like my Nana who were there to urge me on to good things. One of those good things initially didn't feel like such a good thing. We changed churches. Um, I had gone to a um, revival of sorts, Jubilee, at Victory Life Church in Durant, and um, realized that there was so much more to the love of God, and it goes into how you love people. And the people of that church just scooped up my kids and me, who felt like we didn't even know where we belonged anymore, mm-hmm. and loved us and gave us this home. But even still, there was really nobody I could reach for, no one who had been in my season of life or who was currently in my season of life for many years. Um, I would even have um, people come up to me and say, oh, I didn't know you were divorced. Oh, I'm so sorry. And um, that that's like, you know, in my book, I talk about things to not say. There's like, you know, just kind of a fun <clears throat> page in it about what not to say to a single parent. And, you know, the I'm so sorry part is one of those things because, you know, that's, it's a, sometimes it, it turns from bitter to sweet because you know the Lord is redeeming those moments. And I started looking for those redeeming moments with God um, in my parenting, which, oh boy, that parenting little kids was hard. Robert knows. Um, But I, you know, I would look for those moments and I would watch myself think I was on a really good track. And then it was like, I just fell off completely that there was no, um, I wasn't on the rails anymore at all. And the Lord would redeem me from that. And he'd bring people to encourage me, but there wasn't someone or there wasn't a tool. There weren't any books back then there. If they were, they were kind of dated and skewed toward this is, you know, this is what you've decided. And now you're kind of on your own. So just, you know, it's just you and God and, um, then I had other people tell me I shouldn't remarry and I shouldn't date. So I was 16 years career solo mom. Wow. So you went 16 years as a single parent of three <gasps> kids yes. um, in the church, trying to navigate sort of the scripture, the doctrine, the theology of the Bible with and the, the divorce. of the people. Yes. Yeah. So you've got... And, and I think most listeners would appreciate the the nuance that you have old school sort of approaches to that, and then you have more of a modern twist of it. So you had to work through all that for yourself. And I know at some point that got worked out because you're remarried. I am. Praise God. Yeah. <laughs> so I think for the listener, there may be quite a few moms uh, who find themselves either at, at the edge of a divorce, like there's a separation that started, or they sort of sense it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're ashamed and afraid and they don't want to admit either to themselves or to anyone else, uh, that this is a possibility. What, what do you say to a mom like that? I just say, are, 
our Lord is holding you. Um, he holds us um, and and loves us, regardless of where we are and what what stage of life we're in. And and also, care for yourself, nourish that relationship mm. with the Lord, because that's where the filling occurs. And once you're full, don't stop. Keep going because out of the overflow is how you're going to love your kids. That's how you're going to help them transition into and through not just the time that may be happening now, but that time when um, they get teased at school or that time when they come to the realization that they don't have a dad to go to the daddy-daughter dance with. Mm. Or maybe it's you know the mom who is absent. Um, there are those moments in time when the Lord ordained this this design of a home and it's it's a mother and a father and you know when one of those is absent it does cause for room for the world to come in and start telling you how to do that so i would say don't listen to the world at any junction and stay as close to the lord and in the word constantly as you can um there there is someone and you pray for that person i did i prayed for that person um to come into my life and, and come alongside me as Melanie, uh, maybe not me as Melanie as a parent, but just me as Melanie, to um, that I could learn from. And for that person, that person for me was um, Sue Sheriff and Nancy Gentry. There were there were two as one um, in the ministry, and um, I learned from their parenting styles. I learned from their their wife skills. I learned from just how they were walking as a daughter of the King, um, how I I wanted to walk, and it was. It was biblical, so it wasn't you know it wasn't like this elusive thing. How do I get to be that? Um, I just wanted to pick up that character from the Lord, um, so that my kids would have something good to model. Mm -hmm. Honestly, mm -hmm. and and I still failed. I still you know I still failed miserably at times. No, I think you did a remarkable job, and and you know we've had the privilege of kind of walking with you. We've known you for a decade now, yeah. and um, just have loved what you've done. With your girls and and your your kids, just loving them well and being a good example. I think the thing that I'm hearing is not only do you have to kind of seek out those relationships, but for those single uh, for those parents that are not single parents, don't don't um, alienate those that are single parents. I mean, and we talked a little bit about this before we got into the show. Is the importance of the relationships, and we stop getting invited to certain things, and we stop. So it took someone like Sue to reach out right, to you and to exactly. continue to speak into your life, even though it doesn't look just like her life. Like in other words, it's not a nuclear family. You are a single mom. You still found a godly role model and principles yes. to, to walk through. And so I think that that's encouraging to people that are still married, find those single parents and just invest in their lives. It doesn't mean you need to go and fix them. It just means walk with them, right? Right. And like uh, you and I were talking before the <clears throat> podcast, I know that it's an awkward thing um, for a lot of people to reach out to someone who's single. Um, I mean, as even I remember women even saying, well, you know, I, I would I would invite you over, but, you know, my husband's there. Right. And like I'm allergic to men or something. It's the but. but. <laughs> like I would do this, but. Exactly. And, um, and that it's that thing. And it is awkward. A lot of times. People don't know what to say, even with divorce rates as high as they are now. And the single parenting, um, you know, is it's everywhere. I I meet a ton of single parents now. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I thought <laughs> when I when I remarried that I I thought oh I've, I've been delivered. You know, right. I've I'm, I've got a husband now. I'm not I'm not alone. I'm not by myself. And you know that's not that's not at all what that looks like. Mm -mm. That's not that's not the truth at all. In fact, I I'm blessed to be able to 
walk with other solo moms who are raising teenagers right now. And they come to our home. My daughters help mentor their girls. And I mm. talk with them and listen to them. That's the biggest part. Yeah. Um, and if you have the opportunity to visit with a solo mom, I mean, what I wish that someone had done for me, I wish someone had said, hey, Melanie, I just want to take you to lunch, just you and me. Um, because we so often, parents, whether we're married or not, are um, attached at the hip with our kids. Yeah. And and I did feel like I needed to do that because they have one parent. They need that one parent. You know, I was very adamant yeah. about that. But that soul pastoring, that soul shepherding that um, I needed as a solo mom, um, I I mean, I, I didn't get that. Hmm. Um, I would have loved to just be invited to go somewhere, you know, with my kids a little more often. But if someone had made the effort to say... I'm getting a sitter. Let's share the sitter. And you and I go have a meal. Uh, my husband's out of town or my husband's watching football or my husband's at life group. Um, sure. Come over. Let's, mm. you know, let's, let's do this thing. Just Or my husband adults. wants to be with me, but I'm choosing to like, I, <laughs> there, I not mean, even that. Yeah. <laughs> like you need to, to, to realize what an impact you can have on people's lives. If you yeah. just reach out. And I think that's such a really, it's a, it's a serious reminder and it's, it, it doesn't take that much for someone to do that, but it means so much the world, to the solo parent. The world. It means so much. And then even as the kids get a little older, I find myself now, you know, they're they're 28, 20, almost 24 and 21. And um, one of them, the youngest, just got married. And um, that's such a blessing. Um, Madison, my, my middle daughter, um, is not married. Cody, the oldest, is mm-hmm. married. And every now and then they'll come to you and say, hey, what's your what's your take on this? How do you feel about this? Or what do you think I should do? And I'm at that point, even in the last 24 hours of, what do I do? Where do I, how much of a parent am I now? Mm-hmm. And so even as my kids have grown up, um, I've grown up. So you know, now I have a husband and he and I get together and talk about things. But previously, I had, you know, I had the reins, me and God is me and the Lord against the world, you know, with these kids and even relinquishing that, um, some of that to my husband was it was a big step too. Uh, there are just so many different stages. You were talking about the weather looking like parenting. Mm. I mean, what do you do when the car breaks down completely? I mean, that's what it feels like sometimes mm-hmm. when you're a solo yeah. mom. You can't even get it to start. You right. to get that thing to turn over, and um, feeling helpless or alone. Those are all very real things, and it can bleed over into the parenting. And I think that's why it's so key for us to have that abiding relationship with the Lord. Hmm. You know. I- as I'm listening to you, Melanie, one of the things that keeps uh, sort of bouncing around inside of my mind as a pastor is I see uh, it's a temptation, a significant temptation for single moms uh, coming out of a marriage with kids to immediately seek another relationship. Um, of course, yeah. There's this uh, fear of being alone, mm-hmm. and there's a vulnerability that comes with being a single mom that... I'm never going to fully appreciate, but I recognize it. (laughs) I see it and I see it driving actions. You know, I see desperation in in a lot of these stories. You've, you went 16 years on your own. Yeah. I had a lot of first dates. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, and I can only imagine, Mm -hmm. Um, but I could also see the hand of God in that because I I can imagine uh, and I believe, and I haven't actually talked to you about this, so I'm making an assumption. I believe that God probably reoriented your identity around him and not 
a man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think some moms, single moms out there might need to be encouraged to hang in there. Well, it wasn't easy. Um, I don't recommend single parenting. It is not the way to go. But if you do, (laughs) find yourself in that situation. Partnering with the Lord, first, get to know Him, getting to know Him. um, That I can remember someone saying, oh, I've got this guy I want to set you up with. And um, at first, I thought, oh, like even that person that wanted to set me up with someone, initially I was like, okay, so I'm not old. I've got three kids. I'm a divorcee. And they still think I'm eligible for a date. This is so cool. Okay, well, who is it? And they start telling me a little bit about this person, whoever it is. I have one person in mind. And I thought, that doesn't look like what I want. It looks like what I had. And I wanted to make sure that what I did moving forward <laughs> <laughs> resembled something. That you learned. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Resembled something. Um, I didn't want to go in the other ditch, you know, but um, I, I, wanted to, I wanted it to resemble something that would um, be something I was, you know, proud to bring home this, you know, whoever this gentleman was or um, that I wouldn't mind having in front of my kids and um, that – that, that would be the way to go. It needed to glorify God. The relationship would have to. And in order for a relationship to order, to glorify God, um, I would have to be glorifying God, and the other person would have to be glorifying God. Mm-hmm. And um, many times I found it where I wasn't glorifying God as much as the guy was. I mean, there. It. I think that the, the, you're right. The Lord's hand was on that. And um, I remember one one night in particular where I felt like I um, like I turned that corner, um, I was sad. I was sad to be alone, and some friends of mine were, were getting married, and uh, I didn't go to the wedding. I was not, I didn't, I didn't, do, yeah. I didn't do weddings anymore. Yeah. And um, I used the excuses I couldn't find a babysitter. I'll hmm. never forget that. Um, but I, uh, I, could, I didn't look for one. Because I wasn't going. And um, I was on the couch. The kids were already asleep. I was on the couch by myself, and I was just crying, asking God, am I going to be alone parenting these three kids forever? And it was like I could feel him, his arms around me, and he said, you're not alone. I am right here with you. Mm -hmm. And I remembered the promises that he's lined out for us in his word about how he provides and how he loves and how he redeems. And I had all this, it was like, wow, he did all of those things. And here I am worried about whether or not I'm gonna have another date. And realized that my mission, my my purpose for that, that season of life was to raise those kids so they would know him at an early age, so that they would serve him just with total abandon. And so they could walk like him. Not like me, and because uh, I don't want anybody walking like I walked. <laughs> it always <laughs> still makes me nervous when people are like, like, "I just want to do like." No, don't do like me. Don't do that. Let's be like. Let's be like Christ. And um, but that being alone, it is a very real thing. But um, I urge people to have good, strong friendships. Um, find a small group or a home church or something like that if you don't feel like you can. I remember the days of not feeling like I could walk into the church I grew up in. Mm. And and it was shame, and it was a lie from the enemy. Those were things that were in my heart that I needed to work out. But um, you know, committing myself to the Lord, I also had tremendous accountability um, partners in that. I asked for it. I found people and said, I'm not going to date. Don't let me date. If I say I'm going <laughs> to date, you should just go with me. <laughs> 
It's so important having those kind of boundaries. I mean, one of my, my co-hosts on the podcast that I do for single parents, she always says that um, she, one of the boundaries that she set for herself is as soon as the kids went to bed, she was not allowed to get on social media. Mm, she wouldn't good. allow herself to go online at all yeah. because that becomes kind of, it, and so it's important to establish those kinds of lines in the sand. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not like a debatable, it's not like a, I'm going to really struggle with going on match.com or Facebook or whatever. You just like, maybe during the day <clears throat> when there are other things occupying my time, but when I'm just sitting in the place of aloneness, mm-hmm. kids are in bed. That is not the time to open yourself up to like, the Amsterdam of the exactly. internet, you know, like it's just, it's dangerous. So I think having those, those boundaries are super important. Accountability as you call it. And, and I love what you said about the alone part. I think one of the things that I learned that I totally resonate with you is the, the idea of, um, well, when Jesus, when Jesus recharged, he didn't like go off with his disciples and say, let's go rest or what he went alone mm-hmm. to be with his father. Yeah. And you can look at this time of being solo as being just completely abandoned. And some aspects of that could be true. Or you could look at this as an opportunity to be exclusive with your father. So good. Just as Jesus yeah. decided to, whether it was the Garden of Gethsemane or whether it was the desert or was the, whether it was the other side of the Sea of Galilee. You know, I mean, he chose to go it alone. And so it's, it's how you frame that, I think that really determines the outcome of your time alone, right? Let me dive in here because I I think that's 100% accurate, but there's another part to that. She couldn't, I don't believe a a single mom can wait 16 years Mm -hmm. without the the practical support of a church. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You can't feel uh, safe in providing for those children and taking care of their needs um, you can't grow in your identity and intimacy with Christ if there's not a safe environment. There has to be community to do Absolutely. that. And so I think that as I'm listening to your story, I can, and I know Pastor Dwayne Sheriff and his yes. wife, and I know yes. the ministry uh, that he's a part of and, and the churches he's planted there. They are very hands-on. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have a serious food pantry there. Absolutely. They get into the weeds, literally. You know, they're putting roofs on houses and they're taking care of the needs of these single moms. So my my thought as I'm listening to that is there needs to be space for healing. There needs to be this growth, but it has to be supplemented, physically supplemented by the local church. Absolutely. And yeah. I think I think that's the point is that you walk life with community. Absolutely. But you recharge in your intimacy with our Father. Yeah. I mean, that's what I came to know, but you yeah. have to have community. Yeah, so that's where the attack seems to be. Uh, I'm just listening. So if I'm wrong, call me out. I won't be offended. But the attack then would be for the devil or the enemy to separate you from community of faith. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The, because the, that's I where you become vulnerable the, to him. Yes, exactly. The, yeah. um, thankfully, at this at Victory Life Church where um, – the children and I landed, it was not just a soft place. It was a safe place. And they did not immediately, I mean, I was so hesitant to tell them that I was a solo parent because in previous circles, it disqualified me from serving. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Lots of churches still. Sure. Yeah. And I, I totally get that yeah. because healing needs to occur, and um, but not all healing comes with the wedding ring. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thankfully, um, uh, the people in Victory were... Um, 
what they wanted to walk with me. They weren't afraid of me. There was no fear of being hands-on and hugging me and loving me and hugging my kids and loving them. In fact, um, I went in to pick up my kids from Children's Church about 10 minutes early because I, I, all right, here it is. I was tired of fighting the traffic in the parking lot. I wanted to get out before everybody else. <laughs> and um, so I, I slipped out because uh, I didn't need the altar call. I was saved. And I went and got the kids. Mm-hmm. And I walked in the door uh, of the children's chapel area, which was a multi-purpose room at the time. Um, I uh, The lights were down. Like, they were dimmed, and there were lights on the stage. And um, I didn't see anybody. I thought, I had the wrong room. And this woman comes around the corner. Her name is Kathy. And she's like, hey, can I help you? And I said, I was just going to get my kids. And all of a sudden, I see little tiny, I get a little closer to the chairs, little tiny fingertips reaching for the Lord. Mm. They were on their knees in worship. Mm. And uh, I thought, oh, I'm interrupting. But like, we just have a few more minutes left. Why are they doing this now? <laughs> but they were lingering in the Holy Spirit. These children were mm. lingering in the Holy Spirit. And Kathy goes, well, come here. I need your help. And do you know, from that day forward, I was serving in children's ministry. Mm. Of course, there were, you know, all the paperwork and all, all, all those things in, that you had to put in place. But um, I watched my kids. I sat in children's church and learned for the very first time about love, God's love. I learned for the first time about um, family. I learned for the first time that I could be alongside my kids. I didn't have to parent from way over here and send them places. Mm-hmm. I could be there with them, alongside them. God, that's a gift. And whether you're married or not, you can parent that way. We don't always have that call on our lives or that grace to operate yeah. in. But that was, for me, that was, that was huge to have that community there. They didn't care if I was divorced. Right. They didn't care at all. What they saw was someone who loved her kids, mm-hmm. and um, and and I grew in that ministry um, and pastored for a long time with with Nancy and children's ministry. And I think there's something so beautiful in that. And, and you know, it it's we know people within the Dwayne Sheriff Ministries. One of our dear friends, and you work with him, Tom Johnson. I, mm-hmm. I can I'll never mm-hmm. forget the he. We were driving somewhere from one of our shows back to Sherman. And we were talking about divorce and we were talking about that. And he was talking about how, <clears throat> I'm going to paraphrase, so I hope he forgives me if he hears this, but something along the lines of, I kind of don't trust people that don't walk with a limp. And I thought that was beautiful because I, I that's exactly, if you haven't been broken, if you haven't like established yourself as someone that is in need, it's very, then you know that that person feels so much more self-reliant. And I love when a church like Dwayne Cheryl, like Victory and, mm-hmm. um, embrace people that walk with a limp, realizing that it's not necessarily, it, it is a sign of our humanity and our need and dependency for God. And so I, I, I think that's a beautiful story about the kid. And, I, and it just, it so warms my heart when I hear about ministries that go outside of the boundaries of yeah. what is safe for them because they recognize the strength and weakness. Mm-hmm. There were times when I think I still heard the enemy's <clears throat> lies in my ear, like, you don't have a husband, you're not qualified for this, or you just you just had a really bad morning with your kids, like really, really bad yeah. morning, like the enemy rode to church on top of my car. Um, how can you go in here and then minister to these kids? How can, I mean, the, seriously, I, I don't think that there's anything that will disqualify us like that unless we allow it to happen. And so many times I would get feel like, oh, why, what am I doing? Who, who am I to be parenting these kids? And I have to have that reminder of the Lord did place them in our charge. Yes. And um, there must be some part of me he can trust or he wouldn't have done that much. And so I've got to find that and nurture it and grow it 
and operate in that. Um, and still, you know, right along the way, just failing miserably. Thankfully, I learned quickly to um, repent to my kids. Mm. Um, I remember one time, one instance when um, we had been really talking pretty, you know, straightforward about gossiping about people. And um, uh, as, you know, days would have it, I was in the car a lot, um, had the kids in the back seat, um, the phone rang, I answered the phone, um, and I was talking about someone. And I got off the phone, and from the back seat, I hear little Madison's 10-year-old voice go, Mommy, um, that wasn't very nice to be talking about <laughs> her like that. And I just... Oh, I exhaled, and I don't know what she's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> you don't ever have to. No, I've, oh, okay. I, I, we've never. I've never ever done Loaded that in front of our kids. No, uh, no, no, no. Uh-huh. I got it straight A in parenting. <laughs> yeah, so I just want to step in again as the pastor and speak to the. First of all, I got uh, a tremendous <laughs> amount of respect for both of you, Robert and Melanie. This is not easy to parent uh, children by yourself, whether you're a man or a woman, mm. and you're struggling to only represent, you know, you only have one half of that skill set, and you're trying to fill in that blank. And one of the most beautiful things that I hear in both of your stories is how the local church stepped into some of those roles that you couldn't fill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a pastor, so I'm a little biased. I'm going to champion the local church Absolutely. because I believe that so many uh, lives that are, are, wounded become disasters when they separate from their local church and don't come back. Right. When they believe some of the lies about how a church is responding. And some churches just don't respond well. Or they're not so go to another one. Yeah. You know, but find a place where people love you like Jesus does. And then hang to that as a lifeline. Because my sense is there are so many people who are afraid to go back to the church who are single parents. And that's what I love about Solo Parent Society, the ministry that you've launched, Robert. And I love the fact that you're writing books for for moms because you guys can speak to that in a way that I can't. Well, here's the thing. I I know because I live in this world right now in the ministry, but according to Pew Research, 67% of single parents don't go to church. And the number one and two reason are they feel judged and like they don't belong. That's an easy fix for a church. You know what I mean? Like that's not... That's not rocket science. To just start embracing single parents and to not look down on them and not to condemn them, but to walk with them. The encouraging thing is that churches can take that leap, and some do. And you know, I'm convinced that it's not because, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not because churches don't care. Right. It's just they don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. And so my point. Yeah, there's some is awkward just, stuff there. Awkward. And so the, yeah. to to just address the two things that keep most single parents away from church is judging and making them feel like they don't belong. So it means hugging them. Loving on them, like getting on their level, doing life with them. And so, and that's what you found with Victory. That's what I have found with churches. And it's what, you know, we want to encourage people both on this podcast and, and the other things that we're doing is like, be deliberate about reaching out to single parents because it's over yeah. a third of our population. You know, I was just listening uh, and I wrote down several things on my little sheet uh, because it I'm learning. You know, you said, these are things you should never say to a single parent. <laughs> I'm so sorry, you know. <laughs> Guilty, like I've so put my obviously put my foot in it uh, enough times that I need to hear that. Number one, and number two, like this whole idea of engaging with the parent alone, mm-hmm. I think that's a distinction yeah. that a lot of 
people don't know well, is it, important. It is so important. you guys sharing this is a big deal. Like we need to know these things. I think that um, that self self care and that relationship with God, uh, you know, that is apart from parenting, is the thing that allowed me and actually enabled me probably to be a better parent. Making sure that you know, if Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That that mm. saying. I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, happy wife, happy life. You guys get that one too. But heard I mean, that. what? Where's the one about the solo parent? I mean, if you know, if I don't have Melanie time, and Melanie time might look like me grabbing a cup of coffee at CJ's and walking down Main Street in Denison, Texas, and roaming through window shopping, um, and then going back to my car and sitting for just a minute. Just breathing in life without five people in my ear, because <laughs> you know. Then driving back home, I feel recharged. Mm-hmm. I just went on. I've been away from home for a week now. I mean, I go home today, but um, just being away from my family, my husband, my kids, and now my grand boy. I just think, wow, you know, I missed a lot of stuff, and um, while I was gone, and, and I, I really am missing them now. And so even just. For the mom that has two or three kids who are still in school, if you can take an hour and a half, um, maybe while the kids are doing something or uh, however you get away, and just do that thing that gives you your time, glorify the Lord, listen to 80s music, that's okay. Hmm. You know, you can glor- you can be glorifying to the Lord walking through a, a you know, a, an antique store. I can definitely glorify the Lord drinking me some coffee. But there's, you know, just getting that time so that, you know, I have that release and I go home and I'm not wound up. I'm not tight. I can be there for my kids better. Mm. Staying in the word is just it's just so key for me. It was it is. Well, I can tell there's a there's a lot of uh, information and experience that you could could be sharing and we just don't have the time today to go into all of it but where would someone uh, go to find your books and and more about you they can go to beholdherlife.com and um, they can find me with at that handle on every form of social media uh, they actually have a I have a free ebook if they go on and subscribe to behold her life they'll get a download of the fitted sheet dilemma Very good. Very good. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to be a part of this podcast. And I know, Robert, uh, you probably have some closing thoughts here, but I'm grateful to have her here. I am too. And like we said, I mean, we've known you for a long time and it's just such an honor to, to, I'm not going to say be on the other side, but to be a little further down the road and to look back, to reflect on God's faithfulness to us and to um, proclaim that to other people. And say, you know, God is faithful. He is with you. And um, you're just a constant reminder of that to me. And and during my solo days, you and your kids were that to me. And so I'm grateful for you and your whole family and glad that this worked out that you could be with us today. So thank thank you. Be encouraged, parents. You are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week.
Well, we're very excited to announce a partnership with the guys that we know from Boise, Idaho, Robert. Yes, we are. New release today. They're fantastic. Very, very relevant for what's going on. If you want to discover new music in the Christian realm, that's kind of the only place to go. Yeah, and not only do they have amazing music and amazing reviews and just a lot of information about Christian artists, but they are creating with us a brand new devotional product call it IRL Resources. Do you know what that stands for, Brad? I found out. You did? What does it stand for? It stands for In Real Life. That's exactly right, Brad. Very good. In Real Life, because a lot of times we have these standard devotionals that you know that, that we see, and, and we thought that it would be kind of cool to use their expertise in Christian music, couple that with actual scriptural and devotional thought that digs you deeper, not only into the song, but incorporates it into real life. And so it's a very vibrant and very awesome resource for families and for pastors. Yeah, and so if you uh, have a preteen or a teen in your home and you're looking for a new devotional to do weekly, we have a digital subscription online at IRLresources.com. It's very inexpensive. The first study is free to check it out. There's nothing to lose. You should go there and see what's the latest thing in Christian devotional. Absolutely. You won't regret it. What our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believing. For parents and for pastors, that's a frightening experience, especially if you've got an 11 or 12 year old. At the iShine Ministries headquarters, this became a huge priority in the last year. We partnered with the Tween Gospel Alliance to bring you a brand new resource known as the Shock and Awe Study Guide. And I'm here with one of the co-founders of this entire program, Robert Beeson. Can you tell us what is the Shock and Awe Study Guide? It is awesome. More than that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> The Shock and Awe Study Guide is a super cool thing that either a parent can do with their kid or a youth pastor can do with their students or a children's pastor can do with their students. And here's the cool thing about it. It is apologetics for kids. Um, so it's the really huge evidence and thoughts of apologetics wrapped in a way that is really tangible and simple for kids to understand, answering four primary questions. And they are, what if there's a God? What if the Bible is true? What if Jesus is who he said he was? And what if I'm part of that plan? And we believe if you can answer those four questions and you are drawn through evidence proving those four questions that really it's going to it's going to establish a pretty unshakable foundation of faith that sounds very helpful especially if you're a parent or pastor and you're concerned about the condition of your child's faith what they believe what the voices of culture are telling them if that's you and you're interested go to ishinelive.com and check out in our web store the shock and awe study guide it has a digital cloud video base so it's four studies in a small paperback volume for nine dollars and it has four videos that go with four studies it can be done in a weekend it can be done over a month or it can be done bi-monthly however you need it it is a fantastic resource that i have used as a pastor in my own home church and i have been impressed so check it out check it out